Are you guys ready for an epic week of camp? Oh, wonderful. Hey, you guys can give it up for your incredible opener cast. You killed it. Oh, man. I am so excited that you guys are here. I'm so stinking excited. And I don't know why I'm crying, but I feel like crying right now. I will, Isaac, thank you. What we are talking about this week is so critically important at this moment in time where we find ourselves in culture today. It's so important. That's why when Mikey even said it before we even started the opener, the reason that we did that differently is because we wanted your guys' minds engaged because this is critically important that you understand. And it's critically important that you would go, Lord, (laughs) would you work in my life this week, whether you know him or not? If you don't know him, I'm thankful that you are here. Maybe you didn't know you were at a Christian camp until you rolled in just now and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I've been duped. Ah, ha, ha, I'm pumped you're here. But this theme this summer is, will be important forevermore, but because of what's going on in our world right now, feels more timely than potentially ever before. So let me pray for us and then we're gonna open up the word of God. We're gonna talk about where we're going this week and then we'll have a fun night. Father God, we come before you tonight, Lord, I am clearly overwhelmed, God, by the power of who you are, God, by the goodness that you bestow on us, God, and the kindness that you show us, Father, the love and the mercy and the grace and the compassion and all of which you extend to us. God, I pray that this week, Father, you would do a mighty work as we know that you will because where your word is taught, it does not return void. So God, I am thankful for every single person who is sitting here in this chapel tonight. God, I know that this is not an accident or a mistake that they are here. Father, I pray as we open your word tonight, God, would you help me, Father, communicate the truth of your word, God, and that I would communicate it in love and in graciousness, yet God with all boldness. So Lord, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Nice. Church clap. I like it. Um, Hey, if you guys have your Bible, open it up. Actually, just pull it out. If you don't have your Bible, here's what I'm going to have you guys do. In just a moment, quietly and maturely, I'm going to ask this of you guys. If you brought a Bible to camp, but you forgot to bring it to chapel, please remember to bring it to every single chapel here. Because at the end of the day, we don't want you guys to just take our word for it that what we're saying is true, but we want you guys to follow along in the written word of God and see for yourself that what he says is true. So if you didn't bring your Bible tonight, make sure that you bring it tomorrow morning. If you didn't bring a Bible at all, here's what I'm going to ask that you guys would do, but I would ask that you guys do it quietly. You can stand up right where you're at. You can go up along the sides and go to the back of the chapel. The lead counselors will have a Bible for you. We would love to give you one. So if you don't have one, feel free to go get one. Balcony, the leads will have them up there as well. If you do have your Bibles right now in front of you, let's open up to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible, so it's right there at the very beginning. And one of the things that we want to point out for you guys is why did we do the opener the way that we did? 
And why did we start in our present culture and our present generation and go all the way back to the Garden of Eden? And something important for you guys to see and very simply put, that what happened in the Garden of Eden is the same very thing that is happening for you and I today. In the Garden of Eden, what happens is, is a serpent approaches Eve and he plants doubt in Eve's mind. The very first question in the Bible is an attack on truth. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is a serpent goes to Eve and he says, did God actually say Right? He begins to plant a seed of doubt in her mind of what she knows that God has said and established. So right here in Genesis chapter 3, it says this. Verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And there's something about when someone uses the word actually with you or uses the word really, and you're like, wait a minute. I don't know. Did they really say I was supposed to be there at 530? Does class actually start at, right? Like you just begin to go, I'm doubting what I know is true. In verse two, it says, and then the woman, or the, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Right? So she then says to the serpent, I know exactly what God said, and I'm going to regurgitate that to you. I know what he told us. Verse four, but the, ser sorry, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Right? So in the very, very beginning, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, this idea where the serpent comes and plants doubt in Eve's mind, and then Eve goes, no, but I know what God said, and I'm going to say it out loud. I know what he said. And then she chooses, right here, what was right in the sight of her own eyes. She chose what she desired to make her wise, knowing good and evil, being like God. And so for you and I today, many of us, not all of us, but many of us at least have a familiarity with the scriptures and we know what God says about certain topics, certain issues. And yet we go, I'm going to choose what's right in my eyes. And why do we do that? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we have a desire to be our own king, to be our own God. We want to have the ability and the autonomy to choose what's right. We want to have the ability to determine what is truth, right? And so now here we are living in this world, in a world that tells us that we can define whatever we want to be true, right? Phrases such as live your truth, do what's true for you, my truth versus your truth are used every single day. And yet when you go to the Bible, Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we have these two very differing beliefs. 
A world that says, man, you define your own truth. And a God that says, no, 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 no. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What I say is true. We don't get to choose and decide and determine what we want to be true just because it feels good to us, just because we want it to be true. Flip your Bibles all the way over to John. We're going to be going through the entire book of John this week. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Your speaker this week, he's awesome. His name is Rich Baker. Some of, I know, I know. Rich Baker is the best. And he is going to be taking you guys through the book of John, which is no small feat. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the last of the Gospels. It's in the New Testament. So it's about three quarters-ish of the way. <clears throat> and what I want to show you guys is that this quest or this journey to determine and understand what's true is not new. Right? We see in the very, very beginning, we see that the first question in the Bible is an attack on truth. Did God actually say this? Did God really say you can't do that? And rather than trusting what God had said and established, Eve chooses what's right in the sight of her own eyes, right? So in John chapter 18, this is after Jesus' life, or not after his life, sorry, after his ministry, after he's arrested, before he's about to be crucified, he finds himself before Pilate. And John chapter 18, verse 28 says this. Mm, 33. We don't need to start that far back. And 33, it says this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, did you say this? Do you say this of me on your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? In other words, he's going, do you believe this? Or did people just tell you that this is true? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Right, so Pilate is a Roman, he's not Jewish, and he's going, your own people don't even want you. What could you possibly have done? And if you look at the life of Jesus, right, he heals people, he makes blind men see, he declares that he is God, and that's the issue that the Jewish people have with him, that Jesus, it wasn't just that he was super nice and did a lot of kind things and healed people, it was that Jesus came and he claimed to be one with God. In 36, Jesus answers, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate says to him, so you're a king. Jesus answers, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? Pilate and Jesus have very different ideas of what is true. And Jesus is saying, for this purpose, I have come. For this purpose, my kingdom is not of this world. So for you and I, whether or not that you believe who Jesus Christ is, who he says he is, that he came and lived a life that we could never live and died the death that we deserve, whether or not you believe that, Jesus is sovereign king of the universe. And one day every knee will bow down before him. And Jesus says, for this purpose, I've come to the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who listens to my voice is of the truth, right? And so for you and I, we find ourselves here 
trying to determine and discern our own versions of what's true, and how well is that working out for our world? How well, if we are to just look around, by no stretch of the imagination, when any single one of us in here say, no, no, it's all good, it's going really well, it's sunshine and rainbows, with all of us deciding what we want to be true, right? No one is saying that. Maybe they are, but no one actually can believe that. And in a world that is chaotic and broken and divided, in some ways it feels like than ever before, Jesus, who is king of the universe, he and truth are the same, comes and he brings hope to a world that is desperate. He brings life to those who are dead in their sin. All of us who are not in Christ are dead in our sin. And he says, I am the only one who can help remedy this problem. And if we would just go to the word of God and believe and trust that what Jesus said and has established is good and true and trustworthy, and if we would stop trying to determine our own ideas of what truth is, I genuinely believe we would see such a massive difference, right? It's crazy. We live in a world that is so broken. You know, my family... Um, they're the best. I love them. I have two brothers. I have an older brother, a younger brother, my dad. He's amazing. Uh, my family, they're not believers. They would not say that they believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that he died for our sins, that he rose for us. In fact, they would believe completely opposite. They're pretty progressive, pretty liberal, which is all good. But my brother, it's not all good. I don't want to say that, but that's a longer conversation. What I mean by that is he doesn't know the Lord. And so, of course, he's going to have a completely different belief system. And my oldest brother, whom I love and adore with everything inside of me, is so broken, and he's so hurt, and he's just trying on his own to understand what is life even all about? And what is the point of all of this? If all we do is point fingers at each other, if we're horrible at loving one another, what's the point? So for him to even try and understand that there is a God of the universe, a sovereign king of the universe who loves him, who came to live a life he could never live, that I could never live, that you could never live, and die a death that we deserve because of our sin to make us right before a holy God, it's unfathomable to him. And so instead of surrendering and saying, God, I trust you even when I don't understand you, he goes to the world to determine his worldview. And this week, that's what we're going to be talking about. This week, you guys, one of the things we want, to, want you guys to see is you guys are inundated with lies straight from the enemy. Straight from the enemy. And the thing about lies, they're not always super obvious, right? You may be like, wait, but why is that wrong? Or why is that not actually true? Because the enemy right there in Genesis 3 is more crafty than any other beast, right? He knows. He knows how to distract us. He knows how to bring in these subtle little lies that we then fall into and believe and determine our worldview on. Rather than going to the word of God and saying, God, I want your word to shape my worldview of what you say what you have said and what you have established for us. 
And so this week, we're going to be talking about probably some really hard topics. Topics that you guys are going to feel like, yeesh, I don't know if I like hearing that. And so how I want to cover this week for you guys, turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians 13. I love pages turning. It's such a beautiful sound. 1 Corinthians 13. Did someone just rip their Bible? It sounded like a shred. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As we, this week and beyond, as you guys go home in six, five short days... One of the things for us that's so important is if all we do at the end of this week is present to you guys a lot of facts about what truth is, right? Our world would say that truth is relative, meaning that it can be true for one person but not for the next. And yet when you read the text, you find that truth is absolute, meaning it's true for everyone regardless if you agree with it. And so as you guys head home, you are faced with this. You are faced with this every single day. My truth, that's your truth. That's not my truth. But the reality is, Jesus came to die for all of us, all sins, right? And so this week, if all we do by Saturday is present a lot of facts about truth and present a lot of facts about the person of Jesus, I genuinely think that we have missed it. Because the Bible over and over and over again teaches us and communicates to us that we need to share the truth, proclaim the truth, but do so in love. And so for this week, as we talk about some really difficult topics, some potentially really hard topics to stomach, I want you guys to know that you are loved. Not just by me, but right here to show you guys by the God of the universe. It says this in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noising, noising, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We didn't choose this theme. Us here at Hume Lake didn't choose this merely to go, we're right, you're wrong. Let us insist on our own way of being right. But we chose it motivated from a genuine place of love to go the only thing that can bring clarity in a world that is so confused is the truth of God's word. The only thing that can be, bring hope to a world that is lost and desperate and broken is Jesus Christ himself. And so this week, that's why we chose this, to go friend. <laughs> when we are living in a confused world and when we don't know the truth of God's word, of course you are gonna be tossed to and fro by anybody's opinion or anyone's personal belief of what they think is true. 
but for us to go to you and you to go to the world in love and say, man, can I actually show you what Jesus himself says? Not because it is arrogant or rude, not because it insists on its own way of being right, but because it is genuine, genuinely motivated from a place of love going, the only thing that can bring certainty in a world of uncertainty is Jesus Christ. The only thing that can save desperate sinners in need of a savior is Jesus Christ. And it is so important for you and I to know that, believe that, understand that, and then communicate that to a world that also needs that, and to do so in a way that shows a deep, deep love for the person in front of you. I always think of my oldest brother, and he makes me cry 90% of the time. Not him, too. Well, he's not mean to me. What I'm saying is, when I think about him, <laughs> he makes me want to cry. Because I see all of the things that he's trying to navigate and understand in a world of brokenness. And when I am rude, or I'm arrogant, or I act like I think I know best, he is immediately put on his heels, and he's like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But when I can enter in and engage and go, Michael, can I talk to you about why that's wrong? Not because I don't love you, but because I love you, right? Truth in love is so critically important. So this week, that is my hope and my prayer for you guys, that in the moments when you feel like, man, I feel a little on guard, that you would go, no, 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 no. I know that I am loved. I know that this is being communicated because of love. This week, I said it earlier, but your speaker, Rich Baker, ooh, ooh. For those of you who know him, Rich is a long, long time friend of Hume. And not only that, but Rich used to work here in Ponderosa for a lot of years. He loves this place. He loves you guys. Even talking to him on the phone, man, he just is so excited to be able to open up the Bible with you guys. And there's six things he's going to really be talking about. Tomorrow morning is going to be the first time that you hear from him. And he's going to be talking about the truth of God. Who is God? Why does it matter? Why does it matter that God is creator and sustainer of all things? Why does it matter that if he created all things, then he determines how all things work? Right? Then we're going to be talking about um, the truth of scripture. So we're going to be talking about the word, the written word of God. Why is the written word of God so important? Why should we cling to it? Why should we know it? Why should we believe it? Why should we write it on our hearts? Then we're going to look at Jesus' life. What did Jesus claim about himself? What did Jesus do in his ministry? Then we're going to be talking about the truth of sin. The reality that you and I, for those of us who are apart from Christ, are dead in our sin. And if we do not put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will spend an eternity apart from God in a real place called hell. We're going to be talking about that. Then we're going to be talking about the beautiful, beautiful, good news of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. I've said it like four times. But to live this life that we could never live, being perfectly sinless, and then dying the death that we deserved because we could never on our own merit or our own enough good works make ourselves right before a holy God. But Jesus alone in his sacrifice, makes us righteous before a holy God. And at the very, very end of the week, we're going to be talking about what now? What is true for the life of the believer? And if all of these things that we've looked at over, well, by Saturday, over the past six days, if all of those things are true, then what does that mean as you guys head down the mountain on Saturday? 
Our film this summer is a, it's a little bit different. Um, it's done through six different spoken word pieces. Uh, so you'll see those. The first one you'll see is tomorrow morning. And all they're meant to do is make you guys think deeply about the specific topic that Rich is then going to come teach on. Because I think, I think critical thinking is a lost art. I think we have to learn how to think. And so the prayer is that these videos would make you guys consider the things in which are being spoken on the video and then spoken from Rich. And I can assure you that it is going to be an incredible week because we have an incredible God who is not finished with any of us yet, clearly, because we're all sitting here. And so as we go to the word of God and we say, Lord, would you help us to understand what you have said? God, would you help us to believe the things that you have said? And then, God, would you help me to live boldly in a world that is increasingly hostile to the truth of God's word? Let me pray for us, and then I'll give us some directions. Father God, we thank you for this night. God, I thank you for the many, many faces that are in this room, God, and not just faces, but souls Lord, that you know, that you have created, God, that you could count every single hair on every single head. And so, God, I pray for everyone here this week, for those who are near to you, God, I pray that you would continue to encourage and embolden them. God, for those who are far from you, God, I ask that you would draw them near to you. Father, we thank you for this space, God, to be able to open up your word in a God, in a country that allows that, Father, may that not be something that we take for granted, God, that we can freely open your word, God, and learn from it. So, Lord, would you be with us this week? And, God, would you be with us on Saturdays, everyone heads home, which feels like so far away. But, Lord, would this week of camp not just be one that is a moment that then our friends wait another year for another week of camp, God, to have any sort of life change or growth, but God, we know you and we can know you now. So God, as we head home, would we live like that? Father, would we live like you have changed our lives because you have? So God, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen.